A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. Hello, bonjour, and moi guan, everyone. Thank you for listening to The DNA Airwaves. Today's episode is brought to you by The DNA Project, your entertainment agency. Want to learn more about this great company and what they do, then please visit thednaproject.ca for more details. Our guest today is four-time Juno Award winner and Canadian hip-hop legend Chocolair. Chocolair was one of the most successful Canadian rappers in the late 90s and early 2000s. He released his debut single 21 years later on his own independent label Knee Deep Records in 1995, then went on to sign with Priority Records to release his classic debut album, Ice Cold, which went on to win the Juno Award for Best Rap Recording in 2000. He was also part of the iconic Canadian anthem, Northern Touch, with fellow Canadian hip-hop legends like Rascals, Checkmate, Cardinal, and Thrust, Chocolate coming down. Wait, sorry. In uh, 2018, Chocolate and other members of the team who recorded Northern Touch reunited to perform the song at the 2018 Juno Award Ceremony, which was an incredible moment in Canadian hip-hop history. We connected with Chocolate over the internet, uh, and talked about the early days of Canadian hip hop, uh, his recent, you know, release "One Day Away," which is currently available on all streaming platforms, and uh, a lot, lot more. It was a great conversation with this Canadian hip hop legend, and we hope you guys enjoy. It. This is the DNA Airwaves. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Do you prefer Chocolair still you. or Kareem? Which one do you prefer? Uh, everybody just calls me uh, Chocolate Chisnock. Does anyone still call you the Chisnocka? Yeah, people still call me the Chisnocka. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Shock, all of that. Shock, 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 okay. Okay. All right, we'll just rotate throughout the interview. Yeah, all throughout the interview. This is, for me, one of, one of the special interviews for sure because I was a huge fan growing up listening to Ice Cold, Definitely. which is one of my top five Canadian albums of all time. So thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thank, you. thank you all for having me here, man. Thank you all. Please yeah, man, don't forget been... to uh, bring the mic up close to your mouth. Sorry. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Your shout-outs got muffled on that one. It's okay. It's but thank good, you so man. much, and thank you for being here. Yeah, man. So you've had a great career, and um, I'm wondering, what has kept you going over the years? Man, like uh, a lot of things is just uh, the reaction from the people that support your music and stuff, you know. Um, when you go out into cities and you see people like rapping your, your songs word for word or you get messages, um, you know, people talking about like, you know, this song really helped me go through this or this song brought, um, you know, uh, what's the new one? One Day Away, they were saying it brought uh, goosebumps to the right. skin and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, you know, and it's just, you know, you... I like to make music for the soul, so just knowing that it's it's feeding people and they're getting the the nutrition that I'm trying to put out there with the music, 
Uh, you know, that. it just keeps me going to want to keep putting it out there more and more. Nutrition, I like that. It seems like we're on this theme of uh, food and music, because I think a couple weeks ago we spoke with an, a sound engineer, and he compared sound audio engineering to baking a cake. So I like the, the rap game nutrition. That's what his, name, his name wouldn't happen to be G-Vine, would it? <laughs> no, it was Reds. Why, have you heard that from someone else too? Uh, yeah, well, he didn't uh, compare it to baking a cake, but he, at food and music is his connection to it. Hand in hand, the ingredients, layering, yeah. He'll tell I me like all this it. stuff that he puts in his food that I don't know because <laughs> me, I just look at the spice and just dash it all in it. And, <laughs> and you know, throw it in the oven. This guy's telling oh, me, you put two inch of this and two pinch of that. <laughs> And then that's how he well. tells me when he, uh, how he's making the beat. You put a little hi-hat here and a hill. And so, you uh -huh. know, just the comparison. Is crazy. He always compares it to making beats to making food. Yeah, yeah. That's I like funny. that. I'm also glad that you're a little bit more specific when it came down to writing your rhymes and your music than you are with your food measurements by the sounds of it. Um. <laughs> it, it, somehow it turns out okay. Maybe sometimes it, just it works. a little salty, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. So, yeah, so we talked about your career, how it spanned over... What, what are we at now? How long has it been since you first, like, kind of were introduced? It's like 25 years, yeah. Oh, man, so we're talking decades. Oh, what it takes yeah, came yeah. out in 96, yeah, 96. Yeah, yeah, that's longevity, man. What, what's the biggest difference between rap then and rap now? Um, yeah, like, uh, it was... It was I think it was like harder to get noticed because, you know, there wasn't the outlets, you know, like there wasn't YouTube, there wasn't all these things on the internet where you could just spread your music out like that and everybody would see it. So you really had to go and really make a name for yourself, like, you know, like really grassroots, you know, underground, build your name from the bottom up where everybody yeah. was talking about you, you know, stuff like that. So it was a different kind of grind where I'm not saying that people don't have to do that now because you definitely have to do it now too as well. But the outlets are different. So sometimes, uh, who was saying it? I was just reading this quote and I thought it was dope. Um, but um, uh, they were saying something about, oh, it was Diddy, Puffy was saying this. He was saying, you know, like the music, you know, like you want something that, you know, so a lot of people coming in to just be like, I want to make money. And other mm -hmm. people oh he's talking about r&b so he's like some people come in and just say they want to make money and that's what they want to go and do and then other people come into music and they say i want to make you cry i want to make you have babies i want to make you go and get through your moments and he goes and that's the type of music that stays forever and i think for a moment because the industry started blowing up so big which is great for everybody i'm glad everybody's making money off it i yeah. think for a moment they lost that the, the food for your soul part of it you know and just went mm -hmm. for the money and that's why there's all the musicians that I think that have been pumping really hard throughout the you know mid 2000s to like 15 or so. A lot of them you don't really hear about anymore, you know. And then there's other ones that you still continue to still hear, you know. Um, when I, I I moved to Canada about the same time, um, when when you were really blowing up and you were a big part of. Um, how I identified Canada and and Canadian culture and everything else, uh, but I was also pretty young. I, I was just curious. Could you tell us um, what, what I, it, it kind of relates to Anthony's question? What was Toronto like uh, in the early two thousands in terms of, of everything to do with hip hop music and what you were involved with? What was it like to live here? 
Uh, well, it was. I can tell you, it was like it was right on because hip hop was just blowing up. Like we used to always consider ourselves like maybe a six months behind or something like that before the internet and stuff. By the time the Source magazine got up here and the six ma- months behind the U.S. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, like as far as like when stuff would come out, you know, because um, yeah, yeah, yeah. by the time the DJ Clue um, mixtape would come up here or, you know, the Funk Master Flex one and whatever yeah. that had all the brand new music, unless your friend went to New York and picked them sure. up and brought them over, you know, you didn't really know what was, you know, uh, you know, so. But then we started getting, you know, with music like from the Rascals and, you know, and Swollen Members and uh, yeah. Brass Monk and socks and cardinal and julie black and all these things started really like really pumping up at that point it was really good because then we had a raptor team that was doing very well a particular a little bit well you know but we had vince carter which was huge because he was the best player in the whole league at that time yeah and then we had our rap scene going up you know like my record was coming out and all these other different records were coming out our scene was getting big and uh so it was a great time to be here and and for people that came up rapping in toronto i'm pretty sure all across canada when you used to see people not even wearing like like nobody would wear a blue jay hat you know it was always the yankee hat or the philadelphia philly hat pirate hat dodgers hat you know but then around that time nobody unless you were from one of those cities everybody was wearing jay's hats yep like it was camo yeah. J hats, yeah. pink yeah. J hats, you know, black J hats, fuchsia J hats, <laughs> black J's. You know what I mean? Like every, but it was everywhere, and that sense of pride was yeah. really big enough. And then I think from that time on, you see it now. Like people have, uh, before you wouldn't have artists that someone would be like, they might be big in your neighborhood, like oh that Scarborough guy, but then a Rexdale man wouldn't think about them, right? You know, right. but now you can have like artists from different pockets of the city and different parts repping different parts and they can be big amongst like you know like there's just more pockets for people to go and pop off on and i think that's really good now to wait to see how it is now but back then yeah it was really good because we were actually feeling like we were finally getting heard and on the come up and we were bucking two systems we had to get into the states and overseas and we had to get the music industry up here to even recognize what we were doing as well so we were like on two-sided fight right there. Why do you think it was so hard for you guys to get the support from Canada? Because we're like, uh, we're like, uh, at the time, as far as hip-hop was concerned, and probably even music in period, um, we were like, you know, we're we're America's little brother. You know, like, we like everything that they're doing. You know, like, all the hip-hop, we love their hip-hop. So, like, you know, if some guy coming from... You know, Halifax, New, uh, Nova Scotia, you know, like, yeah, he's got, he could be okay, but he can't be that good, you know, because, yeah. you know, we're Canadian. That's our bigger brother's going to come out from Boston and just crush that. Right. You know, like, that's kind of a mentality that people were thinking. Yeah. And in the music industry, it was their thing as well because American music was doing well and we we're, you know, we had great Canadian artists, but they just thought they couldn't connect the two. They couldn't connect and be like, well, we're influenced by all this music that's selling big time over here. Right. Why wouldn't, out of all of the people that are doing music up here, yeah. you can't find anybody that you can actually believe in and try and put some work in on. You know, yeah. that's authentic music. You weren't trying to change the thing. You weren't trying to mold it, you know, into pop or whatever, just hip-hop people. And uh, that, took a lot of, that took a lot to change that industry and that mentality. And um, thank goodness, I got to say his name, Russ Hergert, he was one of the ones that 
got me signed to Virgin was one of those people that really worked hard to go and change that whole situation um, in the music industry to get me on Virgin. That's big. Yeah, that is big. Because I know, okay, so when you first, uh, I guess when you first came out, you released your first single, that was on your own label, correct? Yeah, we released that on Knee Deep Entertainment, and uh, it was actually um, Father Time, Socrates' song Father Time, and on the B-side was 21 Years. That was the very first record that we put out in 96, 95, 96. When, you're, when you were in, in the beginning touring the States, um, did you get any attitude from American artists or from American fans for not being American? Actually, not at all. Um, my very first, like I went on the Lyricist Lounge tour, you know, but I was not even like, I don't even know. I was like the small print and I start naming. I remember Exhibit was the headline. So it'd be like yeah, yeah. Exhibit and then, you know, somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. Somebody else. <laughs> the Canadian. Right, you know, right, so right. Like, it wasn't really a big, <laughs> you know, so yeah. I wasn't really you know, that much of whichever. And, you know, I was just another rapper. They didn't even, as far as they knew, they didn't know where I was from or anything, unless I said it or whatever. They, they're just like, oh, Cho Claire? He's Claire? Right. You know, they're just trying to figure out the name. <laughs> and, um, but then my big tours, I went on the road with, uh, right after um, Ice Cold came out, I went on the road with uh, Rozelle and Mixmaster Mike. Ooh. And we were doing like really great shows, and then we were also doubling on festivals with like Wyclef and Wu Tang, right, and right. James Brown, and Damn. like it was like a, just a great, great super run. Oh, and uh, no, I didn't get any of that. People actually came with the Source magazine where I had my unsigned hype in it. Nice. And uh-huh. were, I remember there's a chick in Chicago at the House of Blues, and this guy brought out the Source magazine. He's like, Yeah, I've been listening to you since back then. And I was like, Oh my yeah. gosh, man, yo, that's like big. that's. Dope, and then you know the only thing that they wouldn't they would never say the city I was from. Everything was just like, yeah, he's from Canada. Yeah. Like, you know, Canada's bigger than yeah, country, yeah. Right? Like, we're, <laughs> you know, we got lots of places up here. I'm actually from Toronto, Scarborough to be exact. Right. Anything. But yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, no, I never got any of that uh, being on the road. It was always it was always just straight love in the states and overseas and everything. Yeah. Where overseas were you shocked with um, like the reception that you got as a hip hop artist? Sorry, Anthony. Okay. Ooh, I got to say Edinburgh or Edinburgh, Scotland. Okay, wow. Yeah. They have a big hip hop scene up there? Uh, from what I saw, yeah. Okay. Like, definitely. Uh, again, I was out there with Rozelle, so, um, yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, because that place was completely packed. I went and, you know, like, I I went to England before. Yeah. and But just in, like, London and, you know, the, the city parts. But now I'm in, like, Scotland, which I never thought I'd ever be. Right, right. You know, like, uh, ever. And then I'm looking out, and all I'm seeing is uh, um, William Wallace territory all over the place, all these big rolling hills and super-sized castles, like real castle, not Castle Loma Castle, like castle where a thousand men died building a castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, you know, so I did the tourist thing. I went on the top of the double-decker bus with my camera. (laughs) Took some shots and pictures. Tourist out. We went to the show and oh, I threw a star. Yeah, man. I even tried something deep fried bread, which wasn't really great, but they said to try it. I think they may have been pranking me or something. But I didn't like it. Uh, but uh, yeah, but then uh, we went to the show and man, they, the crowd was like they knew every they knew like I only really had twenty one years and let's ride and 
you know, and a couple other singles that I didn't know would have been popular. Right, right. Yeah. But these guys were rocking to it. They gave me a soccer chant in Screaming Toronto, but in a soccer chant way. That's beautiful. And I did not expect that in, uh, I did not expect that there. So that was one of the, one of the really greatest surprises. And yeah, it was really, really good. Years mm. ago. That sounds awesome. Was that uh, your best place or favorite place to perform? Or do you have like an iconic performance that you remember that you'll never forget? Well, it was one of the most surprising places to For perform, sure. and the reaction was definitely very surprising. Um, one of my very greatest memories of performance was Molson Park in Barrie, I believe it was 98. And it was uh, opening for the Beastie Boys. Damn, okay. And this is 98. So this is like, you know, there's like 50,000 people out right, there. Right. I'm still new to like, you know, the rap game yeah, yeah. and how to be on stage and stuff like that. And uh, so we get up because I think Tribe Called Quest, whatever, didn't make it. And the Rascals were in town and they were like, you know, we need you guys to come up early and bring whatever and bring in for us. And bring so yeah. like, it was a full like last two hour, last minute rush to get up there from Toronto, get us all together. But we get on there and I get on stage. I just see the amount of people that are out there. And I'm not thinking in my head that they have like speakers, you right. know, like every 200 yards back or however far it yeah. goes. So I'm thinking I got to yell to reach the people way in the back. <laughs> Uh, the show was like so crazy. The people were losing their minds. I thought I had to keep st- screaming to go and let them hear me. Oh, man. Tore my voice up like crazy. Uh-oh. I'm trying to meet up with um, uh, a mix master Mike, who I would eventually go on the road with later right. on. Yeah. Um, meeting up with him and the rest of Beast Boys. Can't say a oh, word. I'm God. just like, yep. <laughs> couldn't say nothing. The and then, uh, then when I got back to the hotel back in Toronto after the show, someone's like, you know, they had speakers like <laughs> 200 yards. You really didn't have. Yeah, the sound guy was just voice. pulling you down, going like, why is he yelling so much? I can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh man. So I was out of commission for like a oh, week. Man. I was, I was, but I was. The response in the crowd jumping, losing their mind, a big, and that was my big type first festival sure. of that type size. Wow. And doing that stuff, it was crazy. It was amazing. I, yeah, Molson Park, I remember that. Beastie Boys. Wow. I'm glad to hear that you got the love in Canada, too, because I was wondering, we always get a kind of a mixed picture of support in Canada versus U.S. versus the rest of the world. Was it pretty pretty solid in Canada, too, or did that take some time from the fans? That took some time because, uh, you know, we have that... Um, the the nickname also as like the screw face capital oh, because it was hard is that still yeah, the screw face capital it's it's sort of still there we're nicer yeah. now but like it was for a minute because people used to come up to toronto and take advantage with their live shows like they would come up oh my god yeah and they used to fake people used to come up like i remember one time ghostface was supposed to come up or no it wasn't ghostface it was one of the wu-tang guys that covered their face but it wasn't ghostface and he was supposed to come up and he didn't, so they got a fake guy <laughs> and just covered his face. How often does that happen? Put on his songs and had him. To... Well, this was back in the, like you know. It must happen all the time. Four or something. Whenever they thought they could. It, uh, it used to. Well, maybe, but these guys didn't show oh, their face. They just man. played the music. So, wow. You know, they they couldn't even have to get like a fake uh, impersonator oh, or something that's like that. Too funny. And uh, so, but. With the shows, like it would still not even be as you know, just lack of effort. So people would get mad and they would steal their turntables and the speakers oh, and the man. monitors. And like it's a famous thing that used to always at the concert oh, hall. Man. It, it, it was tough doing shows in Toronto. And then if you were a Toronto artist, 
you're extra grind because they're like, you know, like we like that guy. What's going to make us like you? And that's what's the screw face cap. Yeah. People would pay $10 to come into your party to stand there and screw face you. Yeah. They buy the ticket to come to your show and just sit there and be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> such a weird mindset. And it was like, <clears throat> yeah, but it was like that. Chaos called it crabs in a bucket. And, uh, you know, so it was a weird mindset. Like, it's not so much anymore, but back then, because everybody was trying to yeah, get on. Yeah, yeah. And if you had a little bit of shine, they're like, well, why is he shining? Mm. He's not that good. You know what I think stopped it? Comment sections. Now that people can just comment on videos and say whatever they want, they don't have to pay $10 to go to the show anymore. Oh, I think that's what happened. Yeah, they just become, uh, they just get, yep, and then they just hate online in the, in the, in the chat rooms. They'd be like, I saw him yeah. live. It wasn't that cool. Exactly. Feel differently. Every episode of the DNA Airwaves is recorded and produced at the MPL. The MPL is a collection of film, music, and audio post-production suites located in the GTA. Please visit the-mpl, that's maple without the vowels, .com to learn how they can help you with your next film or audio production. Same guy that was there screaming, calling out your name. Thanks, Internet. Yeah. As, as part of, like, that hip-hop, like, screw face and just hip-hop in general, there's this weird, like... I don't even know what we call it, but where authenticity in your rhymes are so important, especially when you were kind of coming up, maybe even a little bit before that. But during like the Wu-Tang era, like you were mentioning before and a little bit later, there was this weird like you could rap nice. But if you didn't back it up in real life, you were kind of seen a certain way. Why do you think mm -hmm. that is in hip hop where in country I can rap about drinking and shooting my wife and nobody looks at that man any differently in the real world. But our lyrics need to be authentic to our real life. Why do you think that is or was the case growing up? I think because it was the music, it came out from such a from such a personal right. place, right? Like it was people's self-poetry talking about what they're going through and what's been going on in their experience and how they see the world. True, true. And so... You know, if you have, like, public enemies saying, you know, like, you know, doing this and that would fight the power and it takes the nations of millions to right. hold us back. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, you, you, but, right, right. you know, like, that was a full-on movement. Remember when there was For that sure. time when people, they didn't, wear gold, they didn't wear gold chains. Everybody, well, they still wore gold chains, but the movement was African right, and right. Yeah. And it was Unity and uplifting, and people, yeah, and people for sure. Listen to it. But then it changed, and it went yeah, to I'm gonna shoot you, I'm a thug, and I'm gonna show you how real I am when I see you in the streets. Well, it it kind of it th that was always okay. kind of there, right? You know, you still had just right, ice right, from right, back right, in yeah. the day, and even Karis one had yeah, songs like that. And, uh, Public Enemy had a song called "My Uzi Weighs a Ton," like they had, although it was a political, yeah, that was. But still, like you know, there was still stuff going yeah. on. But then I think. After it got real hard with the public enemies, and then you had the end of yeah, the ways, yeah. and then the onyxes right, right. and everything, you know, like people for people, it wasn't as you know uh, Teddy Riley and Guy as much yeah, as it yeah. was Onyx and right. Black Moon, you know, for most people, you know, and that was the type of style that that people got into. But then, if you're telling a story, it depends. You can tell a story, or you can say you could be in right. it. I think one of the greatest things about Nas is Nas was like a great, he's a great storyteller. He'll, he's like the guy looking out of his window telling you what's mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. Where other people put themselves in the situation that Nas is right, watching. Right. 
And so if you go and claim that guy, there's always going to be somebody that's going to want to try and test you for anything. If you're a great tennis player, someone's going to come true, for the title. True. If you're a best rapper, someone's going to come for the title. A hockey player, someone wants the MVP. Yeah. So if you're the baddest gangster on the street and you put it out there and rap, well, then the gangster is going to be like, you know, gangsters don't rap, right, right, whatever right. we do. Mm. And then that you just put yourself out there. So that's why I think it's more, you know, it's more uh, important to be like standing by your words. Like I get entertainment and this and that and that. But if it's, you know, like you can tell when someone's like saying this is me. And then when they're saying, you know, they're just making a song to say whatever they're trying to say. And uh, I, I think it's important because people live and die off of you know some people of what they yeah. say like you know there's people who will live and die off every word exactly. say. Yeah. you know like you know they, they live yeah. that life and uh, i think it's important to be the person that you say that you are so that way your fans know who you are and they follow you for your authenticity speaking of fans um uh, I, I, I'm sure before the internet was as accessible, you used to get fan mail and people used to probably mail you things. Do you have any fun stories about that? Yeah, I remember. Um, so I started getting fan mail. I used to go to uh, the record company, Virgin. And then I would go in because sometimes I would, before we would do this, like with the video chat, I'd go into Virgin and I'd have like a schedule from like 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., 5 p.m on pure like interviews, radio, uh, right. newspaper, print, whatever, magazines, like you spend a yeah. whole day, you know, just doing all of this all day. And, uh, but then when I'd go there, that's where some of the fan mail would come and Yeah, I would get like cool stuff, like pictures from people and mail. And then I would try, I made the big effort. I really did try everybody out there to sign and reply to everyone. And then, I remember somebody, my friend goes, he looks at me. I'm sitting at my kitchen table trying to do these things. And my friend looks at me and he's like, what are you doing? I said, what? He like, really? Like, really? What are you doing? I said, yeah, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to reach back or whatever. He's like, look at that over there. And there was like this big pile of letters. And everything. he's like, well, when do you think you're going to have time to do each exactly. one of those back? He says, why don't you just do like, I don't know. He told me something to do that, you know, like just go on the radio and shout everybody out and, or something, but don't spend And I was like, yeah, I really can't do this because it was just too much. But uh, it was just great, the amount of stuff that I would get, a lot of the letters, uh, really cool pictures, Nudes. stories, um, <laughs> raps that I didn't know how to flow. I wouldn't know how to flow and go. they just give me like a full paragraph of the raps. And I just, like, oh, nope. <laughs> no rhythm, no tempo, nothing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> when, when did you first decide that this was a career path that you wanted to follow? Uh, I was just really when I was just growing up uh, in the borough, uh, my brother was known um, for being a rapper in the neighborhood. And uh, <coughs> I would just be called Junior. Just the people used to ask me if I was going to rap like him. And yeah, I'd just pick up the mic and do a little thing here and there and stuff like that. And uh, one time I was just at a, at a house party uh, in, uh, in a building at uh, Markham and Eglinton. And I had a couple of things that I wrote down. Somebody passed me the mic. I picked up the mic. I said what I, I said. And, and the guy at the end, he just said, man, you're good. You should stay at it. Okay. And I just stayed at it. <laughs> I just kept writing from there and just keep... And when going. from writing, did you realize, oh, shit, I'm onto something. I might be able to actually make money off of this. Do you remember that moment? Um, well, as I started writing... Uh, people would come like you get into like these uh, spontaneous right, right, battles yeah. like you know you'd be at Scarborough Town Center and 
you'd see a cipher going on and then you just all of a sudden you like people push yeah. you in the cipher or somebody would know you from school or something like that and you get dragged in and then you know and i was winning a lot of them and stuff like that or if i was lo- if i lost any it was like it was close like it wasn't like right like, right tore up or anything like that so it was like you know people were like yeah, okay he's doing all right so I just kept going and writing songs. Um, I, I met through high school. I met, uh, we had a mutual friend. Uh, they introduced me to Socrates and yeah. I met up with him. And then we started going to the studio together from way back when. And then my friend wrote Dollar um, would come all the time. And then, yeah, we just, I just kept going. So there was always like this motivation. Like, you know, now I'm doing beats, I'm doing songs, demos with Socrates, you know, and he had the still caught up in all these early singles out at the time. So he was a big deal. Like he was yeah, the next big guy, you know, sort of yeah. the big, small guy. <laughs> the big, small guy. You know, he had these two hot singles. <laughs> yeah, he had the two hot singles running sure. on 88.1. Money you love. Saturday, at least twice a day, like, you know, between Money yeah. you love. Yeah. And this is Eight even before deep. that. So, you know, it was deep. like, Hate runs deep. It was right around. Hate runs deep. He was just he was just doing that, and uh, so there was always motivation to keep recording. Huh? And um, at one point, I just decided because I was putting my records into record companies and stuff like that, and I just got fed up. And I was like, man, you need to know somebody to go and yeah. get anything to happen. You know, if you don't know anybody or have a connection, it's not going to happen, man. We should just mm-hmm. do our own stuff. And then me and uh, the engineer at the time named Day, he was, called me the next day. He was like, were you serious about what you're saying? I was like, yeah, man. You know, we can't get ahead with whatever. And three weeks later, we had a record company called Knee Deep Entertainment. Went down to university, registered the company. But now, we have a record company. And I'm thinking, okay, I guess I'm a yeah, record yeah. company guy now. I'm not a rapper anymore. Yeah, exactly. And we're like, okay, well, we need music. Because what are we going to do? And uh, he showed me Socrates' father time that he was working on. And then back then, everybody was like, okay, well, you need a B-side. You don't have a B-side. So I was like, well, I've been working on this song called 21 Years. Why don't we do it on the B-side? So that became the B-side, just to have a b-side right. of the father time record and father time did really well got socks signed to warner brothers was playing everywhere was on these movies mm-hmm. and all this other stuff going crazy and i remember listening to 88.1 one time and somebody called in and they were saying they said you know that father time record is really big but you really need to check out that 21 years track by shot when they said my name wrong like, <laughs> player on the other side <laughs> and i was like oh and then dj x <laughs> <laughs> and then DJ X goes, yeah, you know what? We really need to give that record on the other side a little, <clears throat> a little attention. And, uh, you know, so he started playing it. And then all of a sudden, DJ Premier puts it on his Reality Check 101 album. And it just starts going. And then we were like, well, we need another record. And we have no artists. And I guess, well, I guess I'll record another single. And so that's when I did What It Takes with Julie Black and Just a Second on the Other Side. And then we won the Juno for What It Takes that really following that. year. And we were like, well, I guess I'm the artist now. And That's the one behind the CN Tower, the, right? Where the label, but uh, what it takes. Yeah, yeah, it's with the CN Tower in the background. That, and, uh, <laughs> yep. that was actually uh, uh, DJ X, Little X, uh, not DJ Directors. X, Director X, and uh, Little mm. X's first video once he started working off of uh, Hype Williams because he came back and he did the second half of that video when you're seeing the, the CN yeah, Tower yeah. and we're on the actually Ward's Island by Center Island there. That's his stuff that he shot. And so, and that won the Juno, and then uh, and we were like, well, I guess we're, I'm going to keep recording because I'm the only yeah. artist on the label. And at that point, I was like, all right, I guess, you know, things are kind of moving, and it just gradually kept going. Speaking of uh, recording and winning and all of that, um, we got to work on one of your songs here, uh, Feel the Night, and we, I got to hear your bare tracks without any processing or anything, and it was... Perfect. I didn't like. I had to carve some EQ because that that has to do with the mic, but the timing and everything. So 
I'm wondering, starting out or still, did you have a practice regiment? Did you do tongue twisters? Because clearly your rhythm is down from practice. I don't, you know what? I don't, I don't know how that actually came. Like, you know, I have artists that I, I like. Like, I like Biggie. I like, you know, I like, uh, you know, Big Daddy Kane. I like the Rock Hymns and stuff. You know, so maybe there's some influence from some of that. But a lot of times, I was trying to explain it to my friend the other day because we were having this meeting or we were talking about the videos that we just did. And, um, and we were throwing out ideas, and I had it on, like, the mm-hmm. Nature Channel. And I was just watching, you know, like, bears and lions do whatever they're doing and whatever. But I don't know. I get some type of something happens. Like, I get some type of visual. It changes into a vis- audio-type situation with me, the way they move and the skip. Or I'll watch, like, sports highlights. And I'll look at the way, like, you know, if someone does a really quick mm-hmm. dribble, a quick crossover you it's the speed of the bounce of the ball there's a rhythm there like a boom boom or even faster and then when i'm just rapping i use those visuals to help do my flow do you actually think about those visuals as you're doing it that's almost like synesthesia yeah i was gonna say that uh i don't know if i'm thinking about it as i'm rapping it but when i'm looking at it i'm looking at those like i'm looking at the rhythm of what they're doing but when I'm writing my stuff, I'm not like, oh, yeah, and, you know, Jason Kidd did this, so I'm going to write. Like, I don't, I'm right. not even thinking about it. I'm just like, I'm more actually thinking of cool words and phrases and stuff. And then, then I'm just thinking about how to do it. So I guess in a way, it's like you're trying to make a play and they're just trying to think of how to do it. I might just have to skip, twist, bounce the ball over around this other guy, and it gets there. So it might, might be the way I might have to it- get there. You know, so it's just a weird way my head kind of works. But. Sorry, I, I don't mean to keep cutting you off with the delay. I think you're done, and then and then you think no one's saying anything, so you keep talking. Uh, so, but in terms of um, not so much just inspiration, but the practice is is practice something that you as a rapper that you do, or it's just something that comes to you naturally. Uh, I would say, in a way, maybe a little bit naturally, because I don't sit there and mm. practice flows. Like, if I'm practicing a flow, it's because I'm writing a song and I'm practicing a flow. But I bet you know a lot of songs, like other people's songs, and you rap along to those. Yeah. Well, well I'll right. rap along to other people's songs, but I don't think of those. Because, you know, like for me, I'm in the old school kind of way, it's like I, I look at that. Yeah, no, but fight. as far as ra- so practicing your rhythm and your rhyme control and all that repetition from reciting other people's music... I don't think you would sit and practice your own stuff Probably. because you do it just naturally rapping mm-hmm. to other people's music. You know what I mean? Or even just hearing. Stuff. Yeah, and that's, you know what? That, then that's more than likely yeah. where, it, where it's happening is like when I'm listening to other songs and I'm rapping along with it. Um, but yeah, but like if it's me trying to put a flow together for a song I'm writing, um, I wouldn't practice the flow. I'm more I'm just flowing and thinking of the words and it's more wordplay and phrase and playing with phrases, and then it just kind of weaves its way mm. in and out of however it comes in. But uh, yeah, that feel the night when I really liked so that. One. And uh, I was actually just talking to him. I think they're putting it out nice. real soon. I hope so. What uh, What are your personal top five favorite songs that you've ever done? Man, uh, I gotta say it's gonna be a conceited okay, answer because I like them all. Maybe I don't like some as much as others, but I like the ones that I like. I they like them. 
the same because there's there's different moods, you know? Like, there's a let's ride when you want to yeah. just party and feel good. Then there's a made-to-move mountains when you want to go and motivate yourself. Skyline, if you need to pick up, you know? We have backdraft if you just want to hear, like, a boom-bap type song. And one day away if you want to go and reflect. So, like, and then there's all these different songs Situation on the nine. albums. Like, you know, more than <laughs> just so the singles. Situation yeah. 9, Taking It In, you know? Um, uh, you know, Bear Witness with yes, Guru, Rest in Rest Peace. peace. Uh, rub it, you know, so there's all these different ones, so they're all for different situations. So it's hard for me to pick my top five, you know. I just know, you know, like obviously the yeah. big ones are going to be there, but like it, no order or anything because there's album cuts. Like I really like Roll Something from the gotcha, Memoirs okay. of Blake Savage album yeah, yeah. with me and Socks, you know, but some people may not know that song. So, you know. no, that makes sense. What, uh, what feature were you the happiest to get? Was it Guru? It actually has to be okay. with Corrupt. Okay. On the Ice Cold album? Yeah, because I... Memoirs on the Memoirs Cold album with Skunk. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, I've been a Corrupt fan yeah, since Dark Pound, you know, since way back then. And then um, when the opportunity came uh, for me to be able to go and uh, work with uh, Corrupt, I was like, yeah. And then flew out to L.A., we made the track, uh, came out dope, um, me and Socks, we flew back to Toronto. We did some work on it over here. Made two edits. There's a radio, like a shorter version for radio. Then there's the full length version, which uh, for anybody that's uh, you know likes to do creative, people were fighting. It's like they can't play a four minute and fifty five second song on the radio. It's just right. not gonna happen. But that was our creative version, which is on the album. And then we have the shorter version that the radio and the video play. And it was great. And then Corrupt came up to came up to Toronto and we shot the video. And it was a great experience. It was one of the easiest, lightest video nice. shoots I've ever been on. It was great. And that was on out of all of my For I loved sure. all of my collaborations. Like Guru was great because mm-hmm. I got to meet Gangstar and uh Black Moon was nice. we were in D and D studios, they were just around the corner. Tony Touch was like, Yo man, who's that guy from Canada that's playing over there? I was just getting known. And then he did the cuts at the end of the record, like you know, so wow. that's Tony okay. Touch right at the end. He just was like, I like this yeah. a lot, I'm jumping on it. So he jumped on it and, you know, but uh, Corrupt, because I was a big fan of Corrupt. It was, uh, it was great to be able to get That's that song done, for sure. Are so you still a big wrestling fan? To something. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't think Anthony was going to ask a question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, am I, oh, yeah, you know what? The only thing now is that now with technology, you know, I moved from cable yeah, to, yeah. like, straight internet and all these different subscribe yeah. services, so... I don't get to watch, like, I don't have my Sportsnet 360 <laughs> right. like I used to, so I can't always get my Fridays and my Mondays going down. So I have to, like, catch the, the, the pickup shows. But I'm still a big fan. I'm a little bit out of the loop a bit because I haven't been, had a chance right. to really watch it like that. But uh, I'm still a fan. I'm sure, like, once, like, with lockdown now, if I can find, like, a place to go and stream it from, I'd just be, like, watching it, and then I'd be caught back up. Because I remember you rapped a lot about about wrestling and i see it in your social media a lot too so i wasn't sure if you were still heavy in the wrestling game or not oh yeah man i was uh, definitely i'm a huge wrestling fan always am uh you know from back in the days i go when i can although every time it's the big events have been in toronto i've been on the road like wrestlemania <laughs> came here i was touring SummerSlam oh, came here i was touring this one came i was like so i miss all the big ones because i'm out on the road working but uh but yeah, I'm still That's a fan. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to jump back just to something here. I know it's always been a, I guess, a pretty heavy debate on just the right path to take as a rapper, um, musician, artist. 
whatever the case, in the music industry. Um, seeing that you had your own label at first, then you jumped on with another, another label, what, um, I guess, what kind of influenced you or enticed you to jump on working with a label? Um, and then what was the experience like working with a label versus not? Can you give us some, shed some light on that? Yeah, like working, well, when I got with the label, I was, um, like, it was harder as an independent. And back then, again, you know, we shipped, we had to ship records, you know, we wasn't emailing and stuff like that. So you actually, there was a huge mail cost, you know, then you had to put posters up around all the poles and stuff. So you had to make posters and stickers and flyers. So there was a, like, there was a lot of overhead just to get the record out, just to even get your name known, you know, like just all that stuff that you had to do. Um, and we were putting out records, like we were putting out Cardi's on with the show. We did it with Capitol Hill uh, records. We were putting out records with YOK, Solitaire, Julie Black. Like we were putting yes. records out and it was very expensive. And then, um, but it was very fulfilling because it was us doing what we wanted to do. The greatest thing that happened when I, when Virgin went and signed me was because I was putting out all of those records before the people that were working in the record company, I already knew and they knew me already. You know, we, we were just, they were already working mm -hmm. records and doing what I was doing, but they were doing it for a company and I was doing it on myself. So to the extent of the way that they were doing, I didn't know everything that they were doing because they were working yeah. with a bigger machine yeah. and more money, but they knew that I knew at least the bare bones of mm -hmm. what needed to go on. So when I got into the, when I got into Virgin, I was one of the lucky ones, I could say. I was I didn't have that record company yeah, tragedy yeah. story, you know, where they did this and did that because we all knew each other already they knew what I was doing because they were listening. They were watching me yeah. grow. Like, you know, they remembered my first record in here and here we are in 1998. They've been watching me since 96 and from my first record till now. So they know where mm -hmm. I'm progressing and where I'm moving. And I think that's why ice cold was so successful because we just knew each other and we knew where we were going and I knew sort of some stuff and they knew more, but I still had the grassroots foundation of trying to figure out how to make things happen. And, uh, so I, I was one of the lucky ones um, where the record transitioning from independent to uh, major label didn't really affect me as much. The only time where it really did start changing was when the industry started changing and um, yeah. Napster and right. uh, LimeWire and all that stuff started coming in when the digital music started coming in because then all the record companies started merging. Like, merging, like you had, I remember you had Warner Brothers, Universal, Sony, BMG, yeah. uh, EMI, Virgin, now I think you only yeah. have Sony yeah. and Universal, oh, you yeah. know, like, you know, Sony and then you have all these things, like yeah. little satellite, uh, you know, imprints and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But, you know, and that's when it started getting crazy because when all the record companies started merging and the budgets were going on and until iTunes came out and saved yeah. them with the 99 cent mm -hmm. digital downloads, they didn't know right. what they were doing. They were on a sinking ship. And uh, so it made it really hard to be on a record company at that point, because unless you were already known to be mm -hmm. selling diamond, you know, like 10 million records or plus, you know, they really didn't have time for you or the, the you know, the funds to even try right. to uh, invest in you because they were draining yeah, money every day. What would you say is the path to sustainability in Canada? I mean, uh, being in the industry without having to make a move to the U.S. or overseas even. We see a lot of that in sports and entertainment. It's kind of what people almost expect, like you have to leave Canada. I don't know if it's a support thing or what, but it's almost like you have to leave to hit the next level. And we know that's not the case. So what's your feedback on that? 
Well, there's two sides to it. It's like if you're in Regina, Saskatchewan, yeah. and you're rapping, you know, it's great. And that's great. And, you know, you could be there and, you know, um, and push your music out from there. That's great. You know, but what's even better is you could still be from Regina, uh, Saskatchewan, but you either probably move to Toronto because yeah. there's more going on. You know, like if something's popping up, if you yeah, need to go and sure. do breakfast television, you know, you just hop in your whip and drive 20 minutes downtown or something like that, and you do it. You know, so there is advantages to moving closer. And in the same, if you're in Canada, yeah. you know, New York is bigger. Right, or if right. you're in film, L.A. Right, right, is bigger. Right. Or, you know, wherever, you know, depending on what you're into. So it can't be. But now with all the technology and everything like that, you might just be able to just go and be where you need to be. Like like me, I'm like, uh, I'm like a couple hours out of, uh, out of Toronto. But me, I just be like, okay, next week I'm going to be in Toronto. Zoop, this is all I'm going to do. I'm, like, you know, not all right, I'm going right, gotcha. to do all of this while I'm here. You know, and then it keeps you a bit more focused. So you go in and get your stuff done and then bounce. So, you know, um, but uh, yeah, like, I don't think you have to really, really move, but it's good to be closer to the flame. Um, But you definitely got to go close to it and see it sometimes. But, uh, you know, you don't have to pack up and move the whole shop. You know, you can still go back and forth and spend some time or two weeks if you need to come back home because you need that getaway. You can't always be around it. Drive you crazy. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So I guess it's kind of about knowing what you want you got to know what your purpose is where where it fits you to be and then just be close to that major market or whatever it is specific to kind of your growth path yeah just know what you want to do it might require you to be in uh, new york or in toronto or in la you might have to you know um you know but i'll say it you know and if, if you're in the states or in canada Definitely, you might want to get to a closer gotcha. major market. So if Vancouver's closer, then right. it might be better to be in Vancouver than it is to be in Vernon, uh, sure. <laughs> B.C. Fair you enough. know, um, <laughs> you know, and same out here. It'd be better to be in Toronto than to be in, you know, wherever somewhere that's, you know, that doesn't have right, at least you. some type of an infrastructure. And then you can just go and build from there and go take your trips to New York and L.A. and sure. Germany or wherever you need to go and and do your work and networking and stuff. That's the great thing with the internet is that you could do a lot of it online and then you just go and seal the deal, go there and seal the deal. Um, you know, so, um, but, uh, yeah, but I think it's, um, yeah, I, I think it's really good that we could, that uh, music is expanding in this way and we can be able to, uh, you know, do, do the music in this type of style that, uh, and get it out yeah, there. Speaking of getting music out easy, you recently were, I think it was during the pandemic, you released Backdraft. Um, which was produced by Classified, another great Canadian hip-hop artist. Shout out to Classified. Can you talk a little bit about how that came to uh, fruition, how you and Classified came together to make that track? Yeah, like we were just coming off of the Canadian Classic Tour with okay, me, thanks. Class, and Maestro. And we had like a great time doing that tour. It was, it was an awesome tour. I think probably one of the best hip-hop Right. group collaborative tour like with different groups on it like just hitting all the venues we hit the amount of cities we hit um the length it was like six weeks long but we did like like okay. four and a half weeks of shows in like within like yeah like there was a lot it was like 37 27 mm-hmm. shows in 37 days or something like that. it was something crazy like that um but when we got off the tour, everything was like real cool. And I remember class reached out and he's like, yo, man, I just have this idea. If I came up with some of these beats, you know, and you just rapped on, like, I'll just produce and whatever and just see what we can come up with. Maybe we come up with enough songs to do something. 
And I was like, yeah, man, let's go and see. So in May, this would have been 2019, I guess. Yeah. Uh, then I, I was doing some shows with him out in the East Coast. So I went out there, went to his house on Sunday, uh, stayed at his house. And we worked from Sunday till Wednesday. That's when I left and then drove to St. John. Okay. Uh, New Brunswick. Wow. Uh-huh. And we came up with seven songs. And we had seven songs done. We just went there. We just banged them out for three straight days. Uh, just banged out, banged out music. And we were like, well, what are we going to do with these now? And then uh, later that year, we went and put it together. That's when um, me and Classified yeah. have that song called Hurt Everybody That's Out There. Um, that was from one of those sessions. And then Backdraft was from one of those sessions. And then also One Day Away that just came out uh, in gotcha. December is also from one of those sessions. Yeah. So we had all those. So we made enough for the EP. And just, we were going to start releasing music last right. year around this time, but then the pandemic came and we couldn't shoot videos and couldn't do anything. So that's why Backdraft, I mean, uh, Hurt Everybody came out in November, then Backdraft came out in September, um, you know, uh, October, sorry. And then, uh, you know, that's why there's that space because we couldn't, we weren't able to do anything right. because everything was locked down. But those are the songs we were recording and it just came together like that. And, you know, we'll see. We have more songs in the, more songs in the chamber. We'll see what happens with newer ones coming or there nice. might be a different type of style coming we're just going through all of the motions right now but uh, we have those three that are out there right now and they're doing really well that's a, yeah that's amazing and i can't wait to hear more of those collabs um what interests you outside of hip-hop like what is there anything else outside of music that interests you and wrestling obviously <laughs> um yeah like just stuff like you know i like okay i like history you know you know, like I like to look at stuff like if I, I don't know, we were on the road somewhere touring and I think it was like near the Manitoba, Ontario border and there was the birthplace <laughs> of Winnie the Pooh. I thought that was cool to come pictures in there. You know, I was like, okay, this is where, and they're like, yeah, you know, um, it's like, yeah, this is where we came from and blah, blah, blah. That's I was like, kind of cool. <laughs> I took kind of pictures in there, you know, I've been reading yeah. those books since I was a kid. Uh, you know, so I like stuff like that, uh, sports, but, um, you know, like if you ask me about, you know, OKC and how great is their defense and stuff, I put it this way. I know yeah, the sport, okay. but I only know my home team. So don't ask me about the Clippers or the Trailblazers or something. I know Raptors, FC, Argos, The Rock, Blue Jays, Leafs, and it, yeah, I just know, <laughs> I know about those teams more than others. I know more about the Raptors and the Leafs than I knew, do about others, but I'm a hometown guy. and uh, Who do you think is going to have a better season, the Leafs or the Raptors this year? Yeah, it's hard to say after how the Raptors started the season, but they've been playing the three in a row, though, right now. But, you know, they're going to have to lose at some point. Maybe they'll make it to five. I don't know. I'm kind of, I think, because we know the Raptors are good. Right. You know, and they have an expectation. I think the a great surprise would be to see how the Leafs come out, because they got a decent team too. You know, and I think they're two and one, or maybe even three and one if they played yesterday. Um, so, but I, I know they were two and one last I saw, and uh, and they played really great against Montreal. They, you know, came back three to one. Tied oh, you game. really watch hockey? Okay. Oh, damn. Okay, you really know your shit. I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if I missed it. If I miss the game, then I watch it. I watch the the highlights on uh, you know on YouTube, and I go and look up the game highlights. So at least I yeah. And, and again, just the home team. Don't yeah. ask me about John Elway and how many touchdowns he got. I wanna. You mentioned highlights. I wanna drop some highlights about you here. Um, so you've been nominated for. You were nominated for six Junos. You won four, I believe. Also some SoCan awards. 
much music awards, urban awards, and a whole bunch more, I'm sure. So congrats on that. Um, given your experience, maybe you can just leave us with some words of advice for, I don't know, the next set of creators, rappers, artists, musicians coming up behind you. Man, the one thing I can just say is uh, just always just be yourself on the music. I know there's music that influences you. You might like this guy because, you know, you like his style. That's great. It's great to like his style. I like this person's music, like their voice, like their flow. But always be yourself. Because, like, we were talking earlier in the conversation, we were talking about, uh, you know, like, there's almost, like, a 10-year period, and I think it's, like, around 07 to 17 or 05 to 15, somewhere in there, where there was a slew of rappers doing the exact same thing yep. and had a really big hit and everything like that and yep. now you don't even know where they that's true you yeah, know yeah, like yeah. like you you know the song if they play it like i'm trying to this think about the I'm one where i can think of the top of my head mm. is panda <laughs> <laughs> this is why i'm yeah no i know I, I got know. a little bit of a bias since we did the song together but uh <laughs> um but yeah like uh yeah but uh <laughs> but yeah um uh, yes, but uh, yeah, but they're they're not around because they like we and again like we were talking about. There's nothing that there's no soul in there, you know. That stuff yeah. that sticks to your, your, you feel, your ribs, yeah, like that yeah. music that 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 you feed off of, gives you that emotion, you know. And uh, and you really and it's not to say what type of music gives you that emotion. It's the emotion you put in the music and the feel that you put into it. That's what people are going to get out of it. So the only thing I can really say is whatever style of music you do, uh, whatever you are going to get into, whether it's not even music, it's just. Do you, however you want to do it, do it to the best of your ability. Be nice to people while you're doing it because you don't burn bridges because the same ones are laughing mm -hmm. up when you're going up. Absolutely. They're looking at you while you're coming down and it's going to suck. So, uh, so you know, be nice to people and just be yourself and work as hard as you can and don't give up. That's like, other than that, you know, there's, the tricks in the trade are going to change as the years change, you know. Now nobody, ne watch next year, nobody's wearing, uh, using iPhones <laughs> and everybody's using LGs or something like that. Like, so that all, things are going to change as the years go on, but the formula and, 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 uh, and the foundation Big words. is always the same. Do you have any socials you'd like yeah. to shout out? Any social media, anybody you'd like to mention? Uh, yeah, I gotta send uh, you know just a big shout out to everybody, all the people out there, Bishop Port and Shock Claire for 20 plus years. Um, you know, uh, big up to uh, you know, just big up to everybody. Big up to yep, DNA yep. out there. What's up, y'all? And uh, you know, and uh, check me out at uh, on the gram. You know, it's just Shockler Official on Facebook. It's Shockler Official on YouTube. It's Shockler Official on Twitter. It's Shockler. <laughs> Thank you so much, Thanks man. Thanks so we much really, really for coming through, man. Yeah, I don't know why Twitter doesn't have the Twitter doesn't have the official on it. I don't know why, but I'm scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's working. It's working. It's just, it's just yeah, Thanks so much for coming yeah. through, man. Thank really, really chatting. appreciate it. Thank you. It was yeah, really nice yeah. to finally meet you right face to face. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks, man. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yo, uh, feel the night. I can't wait for that one to come out. That's a good one. So I'm listening for that one to pop. And uh, thank you guys for having me on. And I uh, appreciate everybody. Check out Backdraft. Check out One Day Away. Shockler out there. Much love, love. Everybody be safe on the lockdown. Be safe so we can get this over with so I can come <laughs> to you. Boogie Boogie coming up. If everybody wears their masks, you heard it here first. All right, dope. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man.
As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com slash Captivate today to start your free trial.